If you make yourself more than just a man, if you devote yourself to an ideal, and if they can't stop you, then you become something else entirely. Which is? A legend, Mr. Wayne. To them, you're just a freak. Like me. They need you right now. But when they don't, they'll cast you out. Like a leper. All right, welcome to episode three of the Playlist Podcast. Uh, we're back here again to discuss uh, The Dark Knight Rises, the this tiny little movie that nobody really seems to care about that's out right now. <laughs> so with me on the line are our managing editor, Kevin Yeagerneth. Uh, thanks for being here, Kevin. Hello. And our fearless leader, Rodrigo Perez. Thanks for being here, Rod. Thanks for having me. And I'm your host, Eric McClanahan. And let's, let's just get right into it. Um, obviously... This is the movie that everybody's been waiting for, um, me included, and I imagine you guys are on the same page. Um, uh, I've just been dying to see how Christopher Nolan was going to end this this trilogy, especially just the way The Dark Knight ended. It was such a strong effort, um, and it, it's it's all come to this, um, and I just want to know kind of broad thoughts, uh, starting with Kevin. Um, what did you think of the movie? Um, I loved it, um, and what really, what really struck me about the... Uh, a film was, you know, superhero films in general, um, you know, you go to the second or third one and it's really all about adding another villain. Um, you know, the, the way the, the worlds expand are generally fairly predictable and, and it really just include it's just more of the same we've seen before. But I think what Nolan does with Rises, which I think is hugely impressive, is that Everything in terms of the psychology of the character, the scope of the world that takes place in, um, you know, the themes of the film, the, the themes that have been carried through the series are just expanded upon in such a way that, for me, it, it really is the best of the Batman films that he's done or, or even in Warner Brothers history in it. And it's just a knockout of the park. I mean, I think he, he nailed it. He delivered on the huge expectations the film had and created something I think is going to be very, very difficult to top down the line. So it's safe to say you'd agree with Todd's review uh, on the site, uh, his A-grade review. Um, oh, easily, yeah. I think he, yeah, definitely. Okay, okay, cool. Um, Rod, let's go to you. What do you think? Um, I'm pretty much with Kevin. I think, um, and I love his point about um, the, you know, more you know, superhero films are generally like, who's the new villain? So Kevin, you know, I think spot on there. And this one, um, there's an arc for, there's an arc for this, you know, the, the three films are thematically tied together. There's a, there's a, there's an arc for Gotham from Batman Begins all the way down. You know what I mean? There's a got there's an arc for the city. There's an arc for uh, for almost every single character that that's been around from from the beginning, um, and or characters who are like introduced in the second film, still you know still have um, uh, an arc in the second one. And I just think it's a really, I know you know Nolan said it himself that it's a very like you know it's meant to be a, a complete uh, sort of beginning, middle, end, and it definitely definitely is like it ties in really really well thematically to Batman Begins and The Dark Knight Rises and there's uh, several uh, 
um, I, I feel in many ways it's a film about the consequences from both of those films as well um, that, that that manifest in 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 this one. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think it's pretty superb. I think it's uh, in some cases utterly spectacular. I hate to sound hyperbolic, but um, I think thematically it does for me. It goes a, a super long way, like uh, just how uh, how resonating some of those themes are. I think it's good, not great. And I'm curious as to what you guys, before I really delve into why that is, is what did you, did you guys think it's better than, you both think it's better than The Dark Knight then? Am I safe? Oh, easily. I think it's, it's leagues, like, I think it uh, dwarfs the pre- the two previous films by a considerable degree. Really? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, uh, it's just so much richer on every level. I mean, I can't. It makes the other two seem almost like practice runs or they're just, I don't know. This one, I think, blows those two out of the water. I, I think um, it's hard to say, but I, I think because, yeah, I think it's probably uh, the best of the three and maybe slightly better than The Dark Knight. I think The Dark Knight, for me personally, I have a lot of issues with that film when it when Harvey Dent, who's an important, super important character, but when he becomes... Um, Two Face, uh, my suspension of disbelief issues start to, uh, you know, get fairly close to, to breaking. Um, but then again, I've had the, uh, you know, I've seen that movie more than once, and I've, and I've had to be, I've had time to sit with it and 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 realize the things that I don't like about it. Um, so there's that, I guess. Yeah, I I think for me the. The biggest issue I have with it, I've I've seen it twice now, The Dark Knight Rises, and I mm. I, I and it seems like a lot of people find the finale thrilling, and I that's kind of where I think Nolan falters a little bit. I actually interesting, feel, yeah, and we'll have to get into it when we do delve into spoilers. But I feel like there was some punches pulled at the end, specifically one moment at the end that I just thought, mm, like that didn't feel right to what he was building towards. And um, the sort of happy ending given to something that I just never thought could possibly lead to that much of a, a happy ending. I, it just it just is kind of it's 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 mess. It messed with my appreciation of the film. And mm. um, I, I do think I think it's weird. Can a movie be a great piece of a trilogy and like a really great conclusion to it? But as a singular, like just as the movie itself, I, I think it doesn't quite work as well as as the Dark Knight. I don't know. There was something, mm. and part of me is thinking that the Dark Knight had that the nice. Usually, the second chapter in a trilogy is often the best film. You know, Godfather Two, Empire Strikes Back. You know, Spider Man Two. Most you know, most would agree is the better of those three. Um, and I don't know if this because this had to conclude and wrap up so much that maybe it um. It, it, it faltered a little bit with that for me. And I, I just, yeah, uh, some of the way things were wrapped up at the end just really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I got, I got to admit. Before you, we dive maybe into the end, I know like the sort of the main criticism that I've seen online is that it's um, muddled. I, and I guess I haven't really read specific what when people mean about that. So it's hard to, to discuss. But I see that talk like that it's too long, that it's muddled. And for one, I... I don't know. I, I also think that it's a film that if you're engaged in from minute one, you're engaged in it. Like I don't, I don't, I didn't notice that it was almost three hours because I was very engaged from minute one. Agreed. So length wasn't a problem for me. Um, in terms of it being muddled, I, I, I'm not. I guess I don't understand 
I'm open to understanding that criticism. I, I just don't necessarily see it, and I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are. And and I'm, you know what I mean? Like if, if there's a certain example, I'd be like, oh yeah, you're right. But I, I don't know. I don't see it maybe right away. The Dark Knight itself, the second film, is kind of a muddled story as well. Like there, I I there's issues that happen, like plot things that happens, like the like Gordon faking his death in the second film. Seeing that more and more, the more I watch that movie, it. I kind of question as to, um, and I think Oliver uh, Littleton has brought it up in some pieces. Uh, right. And I have to agree, like, that doesn't work as well in that film, but there's something about The Dark Knight has a specific energy to it that just works for me better than The Dark Knight Rises did. And I, I, it just comes more down to that. Um, I actually feel like The Dark Knight Rises is a little more clearly structured than The Dark Knight. And there isn't mm-hmm. some of those laps in uh, editing that seems to happen in the second film mm-hmm. as much. For, for me, I think the difference, the major difference between uh, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises is for me, I felt that the stakes in this film were, I think this is the least cartoony. Oh, not yes. that no one's films are cartoony, but the least cartoony of of the trilogy, and I think on for that reason, it's a superior film. Um, you know, the Joker. The Joker. Some people like to watch the world burn, uh, and that's the Joker. I mean, but Bane is the guy who lights the match, and to me, that makes him even more fearsome than, than the Joker, who's just kind of a he's a he's an entertaining villain. But for me, Bane was just a much deeper villain on a number of levels. Um, not to mention his connection with, with Bruce Wayne also adds another nice element to that. Mm-hmm. And just overall, um, I felt that the peril that the people of Gotham were in was just so much more profound and, and resonated much more than than The Dark Knight for me. The the peril, though, for Gotham is was, for me, not felt with the citizens of Gotham because we get no time with the citizens mm-hmm. in this film. But if you go back in the Dark Knight, there are there's that you know the the final act with the the citizens on the boat, you know, like there's that. Mm. I always get, found I always found that setup kind of goofy, to be totally honest. Just the whole like mechanics of yeah, how it all works. just like on the like it just seemed to, sort of ridiculously elaborate. <laughs> like I'm gonna have some boats and prisoners on each one and this and that. Okay, okay but think about how yeah. elaborate Bane's plans are. I mean, Bane's are even more elaborate, but yeah, maybe he's they the really one. are. Yeah, I mean they're extreme. <laughs> I mean, I understand like how it could feel sort of odd, especially right before that that scene at the end of the Dark Knight is Heath, you know, joke the Joker saying how he's a mad dog and he just kind of does things, but clearly that's not true. Like he's planned out quite a bit what he executes in that movie. Mm, yeah, and Bane as well. But I don't know. It's um, I actually feel like this is the most cartoonish of the of the three. Or interesting uh, because Nolan really goes far with like the you know. I th- we can say uh, oh we should have said earlier that we're gonna delve into spoilers so I think yeah. we're gonna yeah, say yeah. right now I'm <laughs> spoilers so, spoilers don't, yeah. don't listen if, uh, <laughs> if you haven't yeah, seen yeah only listen to this if you've seen the film um, Bane does the thing that we all speculated was gonna happen uh, he breaks Batman's back in this film but doesn't that uh, did you guys actually feel that pain or like I mean like the feel that it didn't. It was kind of easily fixed in the film itself. I felt like. That's well, that's the thing. I don't know if he necessarily "quote unquote" breaks his back. But, you know, in the movie or in the comics, he breaks his back, and I think he. I can't. I don't. I don't. I can't remember. But I think he's out of commission for several months, and I guess he's kind of out of commission for several months here. But I. 
you know, like when you break your back, it you're it's like when you really do it, you're you're out for a year or longer. If you and sometimes you just don't, you're not going to walk again. Yeah, right. This is clearly not necessarily the same situation, but um, and I don't know. I think the stakes were. I think that felt very believable, and I don't know. Uh, back to the Joker Bane thing. I, I almost don't want to get sidetracked with that, but I think mm-hmm. I think the Joker is a superior villain, but I don't think it doesn't. It, I don't know if that necessarily matters for this film. Anyhow. Yeah, yeah, and I don't want to get too sidetracked with it either because I actually really liked Bane, and I think Tom Hardy had a really, really difficult role to pull off, if you think about it. I mean, the guy has a... He's a great actor, and he has a really expressive face, and he's masked the entire time. And yeah. um, I also just really dug what he did with his voice, the sort of, like, Bond-era Sean Connery inflection he gave it uh, really, really worked for me. I think, I think Bane... Whereas the Joker is so rich because he's a pathological liar for one. I mean, like like you said, you know, he's he's an anarchist, but no, he's not. He's actually got everything so thoroughly planned out. He's basically lying throughout the entire film. He's contradicting himself all the time. He's amusing. He's fun. He's kind of in love with Batman. He basically thinks I don't exist. Like we essentially can't exist in a universe without each other. You know what I mean? You you complete me. There's no going back. You've changed things forever. Why do you want to kill me? <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? Go back to ripping off mob dealers? No, 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 no. You, you complete me. You're garbage. You kills for money. Don't talk like one of them. You're not. Even if you'd like to be. There's so much rich stuff in in the Joker that I think makes him a superior villain, but that doesn't matter necessarily. Bane is a completely different villain, and I don't necessarily want to even like kind of rank them. But Bane is just so like like terror personified, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I just thought he was like like his whole his whole plan, the whole reckoning is 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 terrifying. The the, the shots when when Gotham blows up and the bridges go and everything it's it's chilling to anybody like who witnessed 9-11 man i think that's like very uh very real very and and chilling and, and just terrifying yeah i think nolan does a good job again wrapping around sort of real world post 9-11 parables in within mm-hmm. these films he is he is very good at that i think and he's still and i agree with the the fact that I had no problem with the pacing in this. I mean, he just continues to prove that he is a master of pacing his films because what's the running time on this thing? Two hours. I think everybody would disagree with you on that. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's the criticism that I see everywhere. I said, it's way too long. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't, but I didn't feel it. No, not at all. And I, even though I have issues with the film, like I said, I still think it's, it's, it's good. And it's a, I think it's a really great capper to the trilogy, but yet, uh, and and I have no issues with the pacing. That movie flies along. The um, thing is, I kind of feel like if I watch that movie again, and um, you know, I have the benefit of seeing it twice and analyzing it a little bit closer, I'm probably going to see its flaws a little bit longer. And I think The Dark Knight kind of flew by the first time I saw it, and now when I see it, it kind of drags. Mm. Um, so I think that might be the same for this, but. And who knows? I could see tons of flaws in it, but I I always appreciate a film that I feel is so powerful and so engaging that if there is flaws like that, that I just don't even notice them and they go by. I think that makes is 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 um, I think that's powerful filmmaking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because because well, like, a lot of these science fiction genre films, you know, like Prometheus. You know, yeah, yeah, sure. Or, <laughs> or even like 
or even like how um you know Ryan Johnson who who's directing Looper that's coming up this you know yeah. he said specifically like if you pay attention like there's a lot of things that don't like logically work but in these movies it doesn't matter because they go by so quickly and they're so thrilling that you know um it doesn't matter but if you sit there and, and analyze and pick apart time travel for example it's you're going to go oh well this is where the in this moment where it falls apart but I don't know. That's a little bit boring to me when when it, you get to that point where you're really starting. Like if you, you either feel it and you're like, hmm, or or you don't. But I think trying to like pick apart it, pick right, it apart I mean, for whatever reason, it just gets a little bit. Well, I mean, if you're watching a science fiction film for the realism, then you're not really watching. You know what I mean? It, it kind of doesn't make sense. I think you can forgive a film uh, its flaws um, if it works on a much larger level. And I think whatever flaws The Dark Knight Rises has, which will probably as you're saying, see down the line or maybe see in a second or third viewing. I agree. I mean, the fact that it works as well as it does, as entertainingly as it does, as, you know, on all the other levels, as it does the first time out, uh, I think is a positive thing. But isn't Nolan sort of um, bringing on this, that sort of detailed, you know, like picking things apart because he wants this to be set in as realistic a world as possible? I mean, is that not... Do you, do you guys think that he brings that out of the audience even more so? Because that's he wants this to be as realistic as possible. Not necessarily. I mean, I think fanboys particularly will pick anything apart, whether it's supposed to be grounded or not. That's a good point. And the other thing is that so much of these things are it's just really subjective. It's like, mm. uh, you know, Harry Knowles, I think. Oh, my God. Right, right. I think he detests this film. I don't want to get into like I know, Harry. Yeah. but I think he detests this film because he feels like, for example, that that it's not Batman. It's not the Batman that he has seen in the comics. Right. So, whereas I don't care. I mean, I I just care that it's a good movie and it and uh, um, it it's Nolan's Batman. I, I I feel like it's it's exactly um, it's it's. Uh, it's it's it through line with all the other three films, so it's very much. But you know, his complaint, for example, is that it's it's not in the spirit of Batman, whatever that means. But you know, so it's like kind of subjective. Like some people, for example, I know some people go like, "How did Bruce Wayne get up across the ice? How did that happen?" And like the movie kind of stopped for them. And I'm like, really? Like I mean, I kind of thought that later too, but it doesn't stop the movie for me. And something like that's not something where I go, "Oh, you're right. This movie's." It's broken. The logic broke down there, and therefore, it, you know what I mean. I don't yeah. operate that way, but maybe some people do, and then I guess that's fair enough. But I just find that sometimes that does happen. Where, um, and and you know, and I suppose in our good, bad, and the ugly piece that's coming tomorrow as well, there's going to be some of that as well, just because that's what we do. But uh huh. I don't know. I and, think yeah. I I I think at this point we know that Bruce Wayne and Batman he can pretty much he's pretty resourceful. I never had a problem with him making it back to Gotham in any way. You just kind of have to accept that, right? At, at some point. Yeah. Uh. So I don't know. Maybe we should move into like just just plot details, plot spoilers, uh, things like that that we want to just delve into before we discuss where the franchise could could head from here because it's it's maybe, definitely. Yeah. Uh, more open-ended at the ending uh, as far as where it could go uh, than I expected it to be. So, right, it's it's well, if if we I guess if we just go dive into the ending. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. Um, I don't. It's I guess open-ended, but it's not. It's not. You know, this is Nolan's final film, and it's not right. supposed to spawn another film. There's no. You know, we all know that you know, quote unquote Robin or John Blake or, you know, Robin John Blake is is introduced in this film. But, you know, there's not going to be a, 
a, a Robin John Blake film with some other director. It's, I think the more important part and what I think is what makes the film so powerful is that, is that it, it, it really says Batman is, is, um, is immortal because he's a symbol and the symbol's going to live on no matter what. That's the important part. People get tied up with, oh, you know, Robin and he's got the suit and, I, I think like how I, to, to me, the, 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 you know, the immortality thing, which, you know, I think, which I think was brilliant. Why Ra's al Ghul shows up. I mean, he doesn't show up. It's a hallucination of Batman's mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne sees that. And then he, and then Ra's al Ghul tells him, like, you know, I can't die because I'm immortal. Of course he can't, because he's like, it's almost like martyrdom. He's lived on. And that gives Bruce Wayne that idea. That's right. You know, I can do the same, same thing. Batman can live on indefinitely and his sacrifice, whether it's real or not, and it turns out it's not is in a massively it's a huge thing you know they make this statue this this um it's it's like batman will and then he, and he's not a superhero this is a this is it's forever known from that point on and the great thing is robin doesn't have to even be introduced that sacrifice is so important it's like that like here's a person who was who, who was human and was extraordinary and pushed themselves to the limit psycho- psychologically, physically, emotionally, and became this superhuman person because of his will. And it's like, you could do this too. It, I think it's just so rich and so powerful, that symbology, um, that I, I find that ending, like, just, I find it moving. Like, I, I fi- like you know, regardless of whether Robin's there, regardless of whether he lives on, I think it's just uh, so powerful and resonant. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, and am I getting too hung up on the fact that my big issue is that they they that shot where Alfred looks over at the table and sees Bruce with Selena Kyle at the end. I, I I am I getting too hung up on that? Then maybe I am because you're everything you're saying is true. Like it, that's the idea of Batman. Like that symbol lives on, and that ties in right. really nicely. And I never got the sense that. Nolan, obviously, he's done with these films, but you don't think there's any way that that was a franchise builder for for a new franchise? Absolutely not. Not in any kind of way. I I totally agree. I don't think it's a... I mean, that closing shot is a resolution to the uh, Christian Bale, Bruce Wayne story. I mean, that his story is is done. Yeah. He's hung up the cowl. He's hung up the cape. Mm -hmm. Uh, As Rodrigo said, you know... The thing with Robin is not to spawn a new franchise. I mean, whether they do or not, who knows? But I mean, what Nolan is doing here is, as he explained, it's, it's a symbol. It's a it's a huge symbol. And the other part of that equation is that now the orphanage is located in the uh, Wayne Manor, right? And so essentially, you have you know another generation after Robin to continue because some kids, you know, it, it's just it all ties into the, to what he was saying: the theme of the immortality of, of this thing living on. Um, and, and a whole so generation yeah. to be inspired. You know what exactly. I mean? That's what Batman yeah. did. That's and, and you know what's what I love about Michael Caine's character. He's always telling him like you know you have to. And, and it's something that 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 Bruce Wayne says early on to to Michael Caine in in uh, the Bar- Batman Begins. It's not about beating bad bad guys up it's about being a symbol it's about being something that will last and will endure and and you know and and then he he takes it to another level that it it will last it will endure because it he he made the ultimate sacrifice for the city even though he didn't the rest of the city thinks that that's all that matters Mm -hmm. um and that symbol will inspire and endure for generations on and on again and and maybe it, it, it and gets picked up and inspired by John Blake, who his 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 whole role in the film is to symbolize idealism, you know. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's very apropos. Um, it's really great and uh, powerful, and and then the whole um, 
you know, the, the, the very scene at the end where you, he's, they reveal he's alive, I think also is very in keeping and apropos with Bruce Wayne's arc and the story that goes on between Michael Caine and, um, Bruce Wayne throughout the entire series, throughout the, yeah. throughout the entire series, they are essentially arguing the entire time, you know, like we he, they're both very aware of what he's doing. Yes, you're a symbol. You're trying to do this, but when does this end? When when you you can't do this forever. This has to be like a you know a kind of short term thing. And and you know I can't remember which film it's in. Maybe Batman Begins or Dark Knight. But there's a line where Bruce Wayne says like, "What would you have me do, Alfred?" And he says, "Endure." Yeah, it's Dark and Knight, I feel yeah. like that's the line, man. Endure. That's the line where, where like he sees him at the end, and it's like, yes, that's and and they you know they argue about that at the beginning of they're like you know that they're essentially like he's saying you're too old for this, you cannot do this any longer. This is this is this is the end of the road here. So you need to figure out a game plan going forward, otherwise you are going to die. And so you know what, when he's arguing with Alfred throughout the whole film. Game plan is building in his mind, and he has an end game, and he and he does it. So I think it's very appropriate, and again, powerful, resonant, impactful. Damn, you guys are putting me to shame here. I'm I'm really starting to think I I just got I think I just got too hung up on him thinking like oh Nolan was like essentially building it towards and for someone else to to pick up this franchise and. I think it's thematically and emotionally fulfilling, and that's why it works. Yeah, I I mean yeah. I'm having trouble disagreeing right now, but I, it was something about the fact that I was like, Batman has to die at the end of this film. I just like was built up in my mind and the fact that it didn't, it felt like he was pulling a punch. I mean, this film in particular is all about how, you know, symbols and legends can be manipulated, whether for good or for evil. Um, Bane doesn't care about, you know, occupying Gotham and, and, and rectifying the difference. Yeah, that's just one big fucking ruse. Yeah. It's a total ruse. He's taking yeah. that movement you know, and, and co-opting it for his own ends. And, and the whole film is really about Bruce Wayne trying to find a way to, you know, escape his own death while still being able to leave Gotham in hope. And finally, at the end, he figures out how to do it. Yeah, exactly. But then Absolutely. That, his, his journey is all about how to avoid essentially martyring himself. Yeah. Because, guys, yeah, that's absolutely correct because that's what Alfred's essentially saying. Is that what you're going to do? Are you going to martyr yourself? Is that what this is all worth? And Bruce never really answers him but and, and, and sort of suggesting like, well, maybe it is worth. I don't know. I, ha- I have to stop this evil. It's what I have to do. And in somewhere along that line where he, when he's fighting it, he, he finds out that he understands the plan. And like, like uh, Kevin says, like – uh, Bane's thing is also like one gigantic symbol. He's not there to like, you know, like the Occupy Wall Street theme of the have and the have nots is interesting in the film. It's, it's, it ties in amazingly well to the arc of Gotham City. Gotham City's arc is awesome. That film, yeah. the, the trilogy starts with Batman Begins. If you remember, that city is in like completely corrupt. Like the police are like, you know, Gordon's the only like the real Gordon's the idealist in that film. You know, he's the only like true cop. The whole city's in huge poverty. There's the narrows. There's all that, you know, that that sort of like low end uh, society there. And, you know, and then it gets cleaned up over time and then it gets cleaned up. In the, in the you know in the, to the final film where you know there's been no crime essentially but it's all built upon a lie and I, I thought that was really powerful too you know like this whole city's cleaned up but it's kind of not and and you know Gordon knows that and it, it's like he's got this like shame with him and within him and I think that's just a really rich and textured theme as well. 
but but so, so, sorry, back to the point of Bane. His whole thing is just is to create a symbol of one destroying Batman in front of the world in the city, and then crushing the this, this, the the city itself as a like as a symbol of like look what we can do, and and you will never forget this, you know. Well, to crush Batman, Bruce Wayne's spirit as well. Sure, I mean, sure. crush him physically, crush him spiritually at the same time. Right, and then and then just show to the world like you will. Re- you know, the plan is essentially. Um, you know, think about it. They're going to nuke everything. It's, yeah. it's not about it. it the, the, there's a big ruse of like, you know, these people have been underprivileged and we're going to like take the, you know, the fat cats and, and we're going to hand the city back. But it, that's not that's not what it is. That's the ruse on the, on the surface. What it is is essentially to blow up Gotham and show the world this is a lasting legacy of of uh, the League of Shadows. This will be remembered for ages upon ages of something that they did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. supposed to be like, uh, in that sense, it's it's it's, it's very similar to what the terrorists tried to do in nine eleven. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if if you look at the themes of the film, and I think people want to look at this film politically, and there's probably a lot to talk about, but I think what Christopher Nolan really addresses here is that there's no pure movement. There there is no pure sort of, um, you know, the Harvey Dent act was built was built on a lie and was co-opted so the cops can have power to put people in jail. The Harvey uh, Dent Act also is, is kind of uh, echoes the Patriot Act. It's pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and even at the end of the film, you know, Batman's quote-unquote death in the eyes of, of Gotham is also a lie, but it's a lie to deliver the greater good. And, you know, and Bane's, and again with Bane, he's co-opting it, but for something that's bad. So I think there's some there's a lot to be talked about here in terms of, you know, ideals being twisted and turned by whoever's you know, pulling the strings at the top of the chain. And I think, I don't know, I just think for me that adds a, a huge amount of texture to the film. Yeah, like that's a lot, lot, of, of, rich, lot of elements. Rich psychological, emotional, sociological texture that I don't know how far that goes for certain people, but I think for me it's, it, what's, it, it's what makes the film kind of epic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the legend ends, it's true, but, what you know, the poster, you know, but it also endures and it goes on. And I just feel the way that they, I feel like the end is a, is a, like a, a three-way punch. The, the, the faux sacrifice, which you think is a sacrifice in the moment, then, you know, um, the manifestation of idealism through Robin and then, you know, um, Batman enduring. I think that is like probably one of the most epic endings I've ever seen that I felt like I, I was wowed. I, my, my jaw was on the floor. I, you know, I was like, I cannot believe that they did that. Yeah, I would agree. I really like how in this, uh, this, this film in particular too, they got back to Bruce Wayne and Batman, you know, I mean the dark Knight, even more than the other two films, I feel like is more of an, well, I mean, this one's a big ensemble piece as well, but they really focus in on Bruce Wayne a lot yeah. in this film mm-hmm. to the point where Batman is not in this film all that much like as a, you know, as his character as Batman. And um, I thought that was a really interesting tactic and where I, I had to be amused when I read Harry Knowles review, uh, you, you cited it earlier, Rod is just, he could not get over the fact that it was not, this was not the Batman that he wanted it to be from the comics or whatever he had built it up to be. But what I've loved about all three of these films is that Nolan has made this his, he's, He's usurped those elements of the comics and the legend that Batman has been for so long and 
done it in a way that he's interested in exploring. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and that's why. Yeah, and it's, I think those three films are very cohesive, and they're very much Nolan's Batman trilogy, and they're very much in the spirit of that. So, yeah, I guess it's unfortunate for Harry that it wasn't that, but. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot too of bad for him, I guess. A lot of anger in that review. I was, I, <laughs> I didn't know. But I mean, you know, I think it marks a difference between. Um, for me, what makes the Batman films, you know, sort of the, at the premiere of the comic book movies right now, is because when Batman decides to go into action, there's a whole like there there are real hard reasons why or why not he shouldn't be doing it. And so it just makes it a much more interesting thing than Iron Man just like um you know flying around and doing his thing. I mean that's entertaining. That's a different kind of a film. Right. But for me, it's a greater pleasure when I'm, when there's a real motivation and when there's real emotional uh, stakes involved with putting on that mask and going yeah. out. Like for me in the film, when when Batman does return to action for the first time in eight years, it's a little bit moving because it's you know he's finally coming out of his shell of it. He, he realizes he, he does need to return it. And it's, it's a pretty big moment. It's not just him returning to action. There's a whole host of underlying, uh, emotions there that are, that are really deep and interesting. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you touched upon something which is really great. Um, because when he eventually faces off Bane, there's a lot of fear there, man. I, I think that fight scene between them, is one of the best fight scenes I've ever seen on screen. Simply because I feel like it could have been a scene of dialogue. I feel like there, there's a dance going on and there's a conversation going on between them in their fight. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's incredible that there's, you know, Batman, Bane's basically saying like in, in a chilling, confident way, and I get my hands on you, I'm going to crush you, you're done. And it's so like, it, it's, it's in there in the physicality of his fighting. His fighting is so confident, the, the, mm -hmm. the psychology of that fight. And Batman's essentially saying in that conversation, whatever, buddy, you know, I'm actually, you know, you think you're tough, but I'm going to, um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take you out. But he's actually kind of terrified in that. And it's sort of shown in that fight, too. His fight is sort of saying that the way he's fighting is essentially it's a big, like a big game of him putting on airs. But he's kind of terrified inside because he's knows he's getting his like once that fight begins he quickly out re realizes he's outmatched yeah i think he goes into that battle with a bit of arrogance and it quickly turns into holy shit yeah. i'm gonna get my ass kicked right <laughs> yeah there was something the first time i saw saw the film is that there's something so matter of fact about the way that scene is staged and the mm. when the big you know penultimate or when the big moment comes where you know bane crushes his back over his knee it, it happens so quickly and mm -hmm. it kind of bothered me that there wasn't almost like more significance put on that but actually i think that's kind of what's brilliant about it is that it's yeah, just like it, ha it happens like it would happen boom he's done walks away bane's on to his next move and that that scene of the second time is like fuck that was a really powerful moment to 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 do it in that matter of fact way right and and it's like stage one of like you know he essentially crushes batman literally and he's crushed him and then he throws him in a pit and then he leaves him to die so his spirit is crushed yeah. mm -hmm. and you know that was the whole plan all along and, um, pre and pretty cool to do it early in the film because yeah. i think a lot of us expected if that was going to happen in this movie it would be near the end and that right. would be the 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 end of batman but yeah and that's a that's a problem i think for some people that like you know that happens to him and you know batman's gone for a good chunk of the movie there's like a good he's you know he's not there and it's a it's a you know bruce wayne sort of story but i think like kevin said it's like it, that to me it doesn't matter i don't 
I don't necessarily care whether Batman is around because he is around because he's Bruce Wayne. He's he's not just a you know people want to see him doing stuff, but that doesn't interest me personally. I I'm more interested in the 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 textured emotional and psychological stuff in it, which I think this film is is just you know steeped in. Mm, yeah. Um, what do you guys think about the the reveal of? Um, Marion Tate played by Col- uh, Marion Cotillard or is there, is there, what's her name? What Tate? Miranda Tate. Miranda, Miranda Tate. Tate. Yeah. She's, uh, she turns uh, out Talia Al Ghul. Talia Al Ghul. Yeah. Yeah. The reveal is, um, well, that's one of the things that actually got spoiled a long time ago. It's yeah. There's things that got spoiled. So everybody knew it yep. at the same time when it, when it came up, I, I had in the back of the, my, my mind that I knew that this was going to happen, but even when it does, it still kind of like took me by surprise because I was so like in this moment of like, wow, Batman's taking out uh, uh, Bane here. And, and I was like so engaged in it that when she comes up from behind, it's like it's a huge surprise, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I wonder, though, what does does it change? Like, are her and Bane then, are we to assume that they've been working in tandem? Or is, she, is Bane simply just her sidekick? I mean, because it kind of, I like They the- have been working in tandem. And 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 uh, I think there's something, it's which isn't quite fully realized. And I think there's supposed to be some kind of, like, love story between them. In her, yeah. Not necessarily a love story, but he, like, do, like you know, because he's a lot older than her, right? Because she was yeah. a child when, she, when he was in thing. But I think, like, he's just devoted to her in a way that, that maybe doesn't border it's not romantic love but it's like yeah, a, i took it as more of a, a strong sort of sibling style relationship right yeah yeah you know older brother looking out for younger sister kind of a thing. well they had to have been in cahoots and, and because this has essentially been a a decade-long uh plan yeah i mean there's been eight years and in fact if you look at the beginning of the dark knight rises when um uh commissioner gordon uh, gary oldman's doing a speech and this is supposed to be at Gotham at its most calmest. You know, the guy says, like, you know, that he, he's going to get let go next season because that was wartime. This is peacetime. Yeah. When when he's giving that speech in Gotham, like, you know, all the, the fat cats of Gotham are there, um, you know, listening to that speech. There's members of the game of, of the League of Shadows throughout. Oh, really? Yeah. They're, like, planted there, like, guys that you see throughout to sort of indicate to you, this has been a long tail game. This has been a decade long um, game, a like long tail game of, of, of getting their claws into the city, you know, becoming people and, and then, you know, like, uh, you know, overtaking it. So it's, it's been, you know, he's been gone for eight years. It's, uh, it's, it's about a, it's a, it's almost a decade long, like kind of sort of, uh, long-term, like almost like black ops, like plan, you know, it's, which is kind of really masterful in that sense too. You know what I mean? These guys, these people are serious and they take their time. It does actually help a lot more with the plausibility of the fact that given all the damage they 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 cause on Gotham it actually makes it much more believable they have been doing this for a long long sure. time sure yeah they they've been planning and they have been doing like you know those tunnels are essentially built by the time uh you know the dark knight rises started they didn't they weren't built in 2 months they've been they were they've been doing them in secret for over well the tunnels were over there but they were always you know building their army or whatever mm-hmm. I actually thought it was really nice on a total random point that another connecting element in this uh, or character that's been in all three films is they brought back the Scarecrow again in a really nice, uh, mm-hmm. almost akin to that beautiful image from The Dark Knight where um, the Joker lights that monstrous uh, pile of cash on fire, you know, uh, was almost as great a powerful an image was the, the desks of all the, you know, where they had piled up and made his sort of judges stand. I thought that was mm-hmm. a really great touch. Um 
and just just adds more texture to the whole series as a whole like these villains don't just come and go per film like a lot of them you know people are there and like they add right. to the richness of the world that's that's a really effective yeah. element to it i think so too i think that's it, it's uh, some people go like oh you know you're include this villain here at this it's a cameo but it's not it's like it's exactly what you said yeah it's like you know it's and and you know probably i mean it was off the table completely but had Heath Ledger been alive, maybe he maybe he would have been shown at some point. Too, I was gonna you say, know? do you guys think it's weird that they never even mention Joker, or is it, or does it work better to the idea of Joker's character as sort of this like elusive thing we never really know anything about, and he just was there for one chapter and gone? I, th- I think it makes more sense that he's not there. I mean, the Joker essentially worked for himself. Yeah, you know, I, whereas you you can see scare that uh, the Scarecrow sort of colluding with whoever's you know, stronger than he is. Because as a villain, he's he's a pretty weak villain. <laughs> you know, he would recognize when someone's stronger than he is. And he's a, he's a smart guy and just sort of caught into that and get involved and, in that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? That's that's said in the first one. He's a pawn of Ra's al Ghul in the first one. Yeah, exactly. Not, he's not that big of a player. He's like, he was always a little bit small time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because he can take it. Because he's not a hero. He's a silent guardian. A watchful protector. A dark knight. What happens with Batman now? Just, I mean, I think you guys have said you don't think they're going to build off the Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Robin taking on the Batman mantle. No. So no let's way. okay. Let's just assume that that's not going to happen. What? Um. Where does it go from here? Does it start with the Justice League, like we've talked about in the last podcast, or, um, do they have to? I mean, what happens with Batman now? I mean, what do we know that's, that's happening? Yeah, that gets pretty complicated in the sense that because it, you know their Justice League thing, which in you know more and more I think about this film and I think it's so dumb. Um, and to go back tangentially, someone on Twitter, I think it was someone at Marvel, was like, you know, I saw the Dark Knight, and they were joking, but mm-hmm. uh, but they were like, you know, I saw the Dark Knight Rises, and it was fun, but you know, had the Avengers been there, this movie would have been finished in two minutes, and I was like, and that's why the Dark Knight Rises is better, yeah, right, because <laughs> you know what, because these characters are just like, they're super, they're superhuman, and they're this other fantasy thing, and, and they're great and it's fun. I think The Avengers is such a great film, but this is a, pers- a film about a, a, a human who's using technology and his resources to push himself to to the limits to be superhuman. But he's not. At the end of the day, he's a human being. So anyhow, that's my my, my little tangent there. Yeah. But um, uh, I think going forward is pretty difficult because you do what do you do? Do you do another film, and does that bleed into Justice League? Do you follow the Marvel? Um, sort of uh, mo um do you do a justice league film and then spin off the batman or do you do like what superman's going to probably happen superman is going to be um although what do they not have confidence for a trilogy but like that's supposed to be a standalone film and then justice league is supposed to be um another uh another superhero film that with that will have a different superman like henry cavill won't be in that you know how they do that I, I, I guess I just wish them luck. I don't know. Do you think they're planting? I mean, maybe this is just a total wild speculation, but what if way down the road, the new Superman movie that's, that's coming out, it could be part of the seeds that are being planted for a take on Frank Miller's dark Knight returns where 
maybe Christian Bale as Batman comes back way down the road and he's older, you know, like... Um, I'm sure they're not thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think I'd be giving Warner Brothers a... No, I don't think they've, they've planned out that far ahead, which is, you know, it's probably a different discussion for a different day, but they, sure. their whole relationship... I mean, their whole utilization of the DC Comics thing just has not gone... I mean, we talked... It was discussed in, other, in another podcast, but it just has not gone well and not the way they had planned. So they're in a really interesting position. I personally think it would be naive to think they're not having discussions about um, trying to get a Robin movie or trying to utilize that uh, because it's a big part of that ending. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, as much as, as Warner Brothers wants to honor the integrity of, of Christopher Nolan's vision and this and that, they also need to make some cash. I mean, they, they also want to exploit this for what for yeah but you know what they can they can spin off this movie and make a a a robin film going forward or they can do a whole other batman trilogy and a batman trilogy is going to do more money than a spin-off yeah no for sure or spin-off robin film so yeah that's if 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 they're looking at this as a financial thing only um they just need to do another trilogy and start over again right i mean my main point is that i would i'm just saying i would not be surprised if they're if they're going to spend the next week or the next month, you know, kicking ideas around because why not? It doesn't hurt to at least table the idea, and I wouldn't be surprised if they are. But in terms of the actual Batman franchise, you know, for the next filmmaker, they're going to have, Ooh. I don't know, I, yeah, you know, no, I, I luck, really right? wish like, I mean, I mean <laughs> they would have to. Who's going to try and top that? That's going to be. I mean, my, what I would hope they would do is, A, not do another origin story because we all, it's been done twice now. Uh, Burton did it. Nolan Burton did never, it. Burton never really did the origin story. I mean, it's yeah. Fun. I mean, that's I'm just true. saying it, it's that's established. We don't, need to, we don't need to see the murder of the parents and the whole thing sure. reestablished. I, you know, I think it was in the early, uh, when Darren Aronofsky was kicking around his <laughs> sort of wild steampunk version. Like, I would, like, personally, I would love to see them just take it in that sort of crazy direction. I doubt they will, but they're not going to do it. This is, as, yeah. this is as let's face it. There's, you're not going to get, I think you, where, where do you go from here? If you're DC, well, you've already done dark and real. You've done Christopher Nolan's thing. Aronofsky's would have been even more low tech and more. They're not going to go that way. They're going to go probably the opposite way. Yeah. Um, but more high tech. Uh, well, more more cartoony, uh, like more Schumacher esque. More Marvel. I wouldn't say Schumacher Schumacher esque, but like yeah, more Marvel esque. I think you would uh, see. I think what what's going to happen after Superman and well, which is a little bit unfortunate because I think these you know the Dark Knight series is just going to stand the test of time as this really kind of rich and and epic and textured thing. And but. Well, at the end of the day, you got an Avengers film that that is the second highest grossing film of all time. So that's what's getting people's attention. You know what I mean? So I think that's where DC is going to go with after post Man of Steel because Man of Steel looks like it's very much in the vein of uh, ba- it looks like Batman it was series. Produced by Christopher Nolan. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? Yeah. I'm already in, man. I'm loving it right now. I mean, I just, I saw you know those trailers that are out there. Um, I mean, obviously the when when it gets into the action stuff and Zack Snyder's doing, you know, a, an action Superman film, maybe that's where it falters. But tonally right now I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the tank for it. I'm like, this is exactly what I want to see. It seems like there's the exact kind of, uh, emotional, um, issues at, 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 at its core at its, that, that, that Batman has that I find that elevates superhero films because, um, when, when you're just 
superhuman and, and you're not a human being, I can't can't really relate in that way, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, I I have my serious reservations at this moment for Man of Steel. Um, and I'll tell you why. The the trailers are fine. They're great, even if, you know, the cynic in me thinks they look like insurance ads or jeans commercials. Or like Terrence Malick, uh, someone trying to yeah. be Terrence Malick. I would still rather see an entire... Zack Snyder trying to be Terrence Malick Superman film than the traditional thing of what like like Watchmen, which I, I guess I just, yeah. I just having seen Sucker Punch. I mean, after Sucker Punch and Watchmen, I just don't trust Snyder to have any idea of like how to handle tone at all. Like as much as I, as much as those trailers are a great minute and a half, can he sustain it for two and a two and a half hours without you know screwing the pitch at some point or when it gets into the action just getting ridiculous? I don't know. I mean, I. I would love I would love it if Snyder came out and just totally remade himself and redeemed himself really for a lot of things, but yeah, no. I have reservations. I, I think those are fair, and I mean, of course, Christopher Nolan has you know loosely been you know he's the producer on the film, but he's kind of he's kind of kept himself uh, disconnected uh, from a lot of the creative choices with that basically to this point, right? Yeah, yeah, but I, I think that's also him just being a gracious guy too. Just being a yes, guy. Uh, yeah, yes. that's okay. Yeah, I think so too. I okay. think, I think, from what I've seen and what I've read, and and just like even saw some uh, some new interviews recently with the producers of The Dark Knight Rises, who are also the producers of Superman. It seems like they've got a script that's very much in the similar tone, and from what I can tell, Snyder's almost looking at it as a as a work for hire type of thing. Like this is the tone of this thing. I have to be this kind of director for this. This is not me putting my stamp on this. This is, this script is very, uh, it is what it is. And it's, you know, it's similar in, in that way to Batman begins. And it, and it's, I mean, I, I just love some of the things in there that you already see. Like this is, it's, it's a character that's full of fear and air and, and alienation. He was told by his father, you are different from everybody else. And if everybody one day review, if he finds that out, you're going to be in trouble. Like that's a pretty powerful thing to be told at a young age, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and just some of those lines in there are just like rich stuff. I'm like, wow, this is good. This is like, so I'm not necessarily like, I, this is gonna be the greatest movie ever. I'm just saying I'm very uh, I, I, optimistic. I like yeah, exactly. I'm optimistic yeah. and I like where they're going. Um, cool. Even this the stuff that Jor-El is telling them is just like it's some some interesting stuff that we have not seen in a Superman film. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, let, let's let's try to wrap this up with a little bit of a discussion on Christopher Nolan. Like, what what happens to him at this point? Uh, do we know anything as to what? I mean, because he's not doing his Howard Hughes movie. That's long. That's yeah. Long that's done, that's right? done. He even got uh, to touch on that a little bit, I guess, with with the Dark Knight yep. Rises. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think for Nolan, I mean, he's in a really great. He's he has a rare position that yeah. few directors have. He doesn't have a deal at a studio. He's free, and, and I mean, he obviously has a great relationship with Warner Brothers, and I'm sure they would be the first place he goes with anything he wants to do. But, but he's really in a great position, and almost kind of a scary position as well, because he can do whatever he wants now. Um, he has really a blank page, um, and this is a, and you know, it's rare. It's rare that I have this feeling about directors, particularly for tent poles. But the thing that that really struck me with The Dark Knight Rises is that on a on a pure blockbuster spectacle level, I thought it was enthralling. Like the IMAX, just how he stages, even just a, an establishing shot of going into a city in IMAX is just, you know, it raises goosebumps. It's great stuff. I personally would love to see him do another 
Inception style originally original idea blockbuster because I think there's so few directors right now who do that kind of thing original smart deep textured blockbusters you know I want I want someone to give him two hundred million dollars and say go go play and let's see what you do. I think he seems like he's pretty set to be playing in the big sandbox for, I mean, he's said he's always wanted to be a big commercial director and he has his style that he can bring into that sort of, that sort of world. And I'm with you. I hope he just, you know, can continue to do stuff like inception now that he's done. He's done his franchise comic book. I'm excited to see where he goes from here. Um, and you know, who knows what I, I have a feeling we're going to be hearing that probably pretty soon. What is next plan? I mean, it's always going to be asked, you know, for the, by every journalist that'll get a chance. Yeah, to I mean, I, I don't know. I think he'll lay low for a bit. Yeah, deservedly. Develop, but so. yeah, to maybe develop what he's doing. I mean, Lord knows he, he can afford to take his time. Kevin, what's your favorite film of his? Like, can uh, if if I might ask you to to sort of rank, uh, what do you really like out of Nolan's? Um, you know, it's hard to say. I'm too close to seeing Dark Knight Rises now, but yeah, I would probably say that and Inception are probably near the top. I have, I have a really soft spot for the prestige. Yes. Uh, I just think it's so clever and so smart. You know, yeah, probably those three would be at the top. I still really, really love Memento. I gotta be honest. Um, and I just rewatched yeah, you know, it recently. It yeah, you know, holds I up. Se- I haven't man. seen that in a long time. So that's when I, re- I definitely need to go back and revisit. Just when you revisit it, the, the score in Memento is you can see what he was what he was interested in, like he was interested in the big kind of like, you know, throbbing propulsive score right from the mm, beginning. Really? You know? Oh man. That's, that's yeah. interesting. And like, he's, he's said he has an affinity for like Michael Mann stuff, you know, like a lot of, I've heard a lot of comparisons to the dark Knight, um, where he kind of wanted it to be his version of heat, you know, as a comic book movie. Yeah. And that's right there in memento as well. Like uh, just, just the things he builds on with score and yeah, pacing and all that. It's, it's, it was there from early on and memento is, really really holds up so yeah i like i like all those films memento it's hard for me to pick a, a favorite i think they're all great i mean he does this, these great things with these anti-heroes in inception prestige and memento um and arguably even the dark knight um and uh yeah i don't i i, was, I just assume he's probably going to be making more films like that which more power to him and great you know he loves playing with big toys as you said it's like it's as if kubrick wanted to be you know a, a tentpole director but with like this these you know great uh, stories and characters and emotional arcs and stuff that's like a cut above than just rather like you know daredevil or something or like <laughs> most most superhero films we've seen or, or whatever his stuff's just uh um so i assume he's just gonna keep doing that kind of stuff his films just have i mean especially with like just at these batman films it's the same thing this year that happened to me when the dark knight came out because when the dark knight came out in may uh iron man had shown up and was a huge hit and everybody was pretty crazy about it and i was like that movie was you know it was good fun and then the dark knight came out and i was like well shit that just makes iron man look like kid stuff and as much as i enjoyed the avengers this year i mean and i have issues with elements of the dark knight rises most of which you guys have almost talked me out of completely. <laughs> uh, I just think the Dark Knight Rises makes the Avengers look like kid stuff, you know. And yeah, there's just uh, that- I'll, I'll say this: I think um, there's there's space for those kinds of movies, and I think they yes, they yes. work and they're really great, and they should continue being there. I just think that this is makes the difference between like you know legendary and all time, and, and something that's just like a great piece of entertainment. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, the one thing I didn't get to say. 
to me, maybe the, the, the most inspiring moment in the entire film, which I think is just is, is epic, is when he tells Gordon to light the, the fuse or the, the, the fire and it, and it makes that symbol. And the, and the, and the you know, the fire, the Batman symbols on, on the bridge and the entire city sees it. That to me, I was like, oh, I thought that was just. <laughs> One moment for me is that, that really, I thought it was a really nice touch was when uh, he goes to the hospital and he, he goes to the doctor and then he puts on the ski mask. Yeah. And goes down to visit uh, Gordon. I just thought it was a nice nod to a sort of super low tech beginnings or whatever. Just sort Those of early days. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was that was just a nice touch. Pretty pretty clever. I, I'm with you, and I gotta say, it, even though I, it's that that very closing shot of Joseph Gordon-Levitt getting actually on the Bat Cave as it's rising out of the water and then close to black. Man, it's just a reminder of how fucking good Christopher Nolan is at closing his films. You know, he yeah. leaves you—he leaves you in that moment where you can forget about anything that maybe didn't work for you as you're watching the movie, and it's just like the guy knows how to how to orchestrate a film and and end on a strong note. 